Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. I'll now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Egg, bacon, American cheese, soft, toasted, buttered roll, just a gush of hot sauce. Not too much, Sal. Wanna taste that cheese? What a way to start my new life. Ah, with the perfect egg Stray Armenian arm hair, or the fact that his cheese slices are always six months out of date. But no one makes an egg sandwich like Sal. I mean it, Sal. No one. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 70, Birds of Prey and the uh, fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Okay, so this is episode 70, (laughs) which is bizarre to me to have 70 episodes under one's belt. And uh, it's also the final episode of November 2020, which feels even weirder to have released episodes uh, pretty much every week, some more than once a week, during literally the strangest year in modern history. Uh, With, obviously, I don't think I need to tell you, uh, coronavirus um, and stuff. And obviously with coronavirus and stuff, uh, I hope you're all continuing to be safe and well. uh, And ideally wearing your black mask uh, or whatever colour mask you prefer. Because obviously we're going into Christmas and it's really important 
to be healthy going into Christmas. Um, and obviously for American listeners, you're going to be going into Thanksgiving. A happy Thanksgiving to uh, listeners in America. Uh, happy you left us behind <laughs> day. And obviously I want to start by thanking everyone who listened and downloaded Atomic Blonde, uh, which was a super fun episode for me to do because you've probably gathered, I really love that movie. Um, and I always feel a little bit vindicated when I cover a movie like that, that I kind of feel like it really deserves a little bit more love. Um, and people kind of message me and they say, oh, I really love that movie. I'm so happy that you're covering it. And it, it always makes me feel happy and slightly vindicated that I've covered something like Atomic Blonde. Um, and Birds of Prey is, uh, it's been something that I've, again, I mean, wanted to cover for a long time. And this is kind of a reoccurring thing on this podcast that I always say, oh, I've wanted to cover this for ages, but it's really hard when you've only got like one choice a week. It's really tough. Um, and for me, I grew up with Marvel. I grew up with Marvel comics. I grew up with Marvel TV shows and I grew up with Marvel movies. So I've always felt a little bit more attuned to Marvel in that regard. Um, and I realised that there's still this massive Marvel versus DC divide. And from my point of view, people like what they like. Uh, I have no hate for DC, genuinely. Um, I am a big fan of the Batman movies. I love the Burton movies. I even really enjoy the Schumacher movies as well. Um, and obviously the Nolan years. Um, and um, and Wonder Woman was a complete delight for me. And I even have a little bit of love left over for Suicide Squad. And I'm going to talk about Suicide Squad uh, in a little bit. And I did actually toy quite a lot with featuring Wonder Woman um, instead. And then I was like, well, you know what? Harley Quinn, in all of her like dysfunctional glory, just really speaks to me as a person. Um, so yeah, that is why uh, I am doing Birds of Prey. I will do Wonder Woman eventually because I really do love that movie. Um, but I kind of felt like for my first kind of foray into DC that Birds of Prey just, I just find it the most fun. And if you've got a movie podcast, and you're talking about movies, you want to talk about the movies that you find the most fun first. So that's what I'm doing. Um, and, and very much like with Atomic Blonde, uh, a trailer doesn't seem to exist without the S word. Um, and I don't mean Suicide Squad. Here's the trailer. Can I help you? Why, yes, yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. Ah, oh, shit. I told this all wrong. Quick history lesson. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. <laughs> it's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people You're want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list, is this guy. And so peaceful and but it turns out <laughs> that wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. You fall in love. <laughs> He's after all of us. We can't just rob him. You betrayed him. You killed his BFF. What? You are so cool. You never. And you're dumb enough to be building a case against him. So, unless we all want to die, very unpleasant death, we're gonna have to work together. 
sure. Psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for. Yeah. Are we ready? You blow up I named him Bruce after that hunky Wayne guy. <laughs> it's open season on Harley Quinn when her explosive breakup with the Joker puts a big fat target on her back. Unprotected and on the run, Quinn faces the wrath of narcissistic crime boss Black Mask, his right-hand man Victor Zaz, and every other thug in the city. But things soon even out for Harley when she becomes unexpected allies with three deadly women, Huntress, Black Canary and Renee Montoya, to protect a young girl from Black Mask's clutches. So we'll quickly go through the cast of this movie. We have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, uh, aka Harley and Quinzel. We have Ewan McGregor as Roman Sionis, aka Black Mask. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Helena Bertinelli, aka The Huntress. Journey Smollett-Bell as Dinah Lance, a.k.a. Black Canary. Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya. Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane, And I love the fact that her uncle is Dante Basco, actual Rufio from Hook. Uh, and Hook is coming to this podcast because I love that movie. Uh, Chris Messina as Victor Zaz and Ali Wong as Ellen Yee. It was written by Christina Hodson, obviously based on characters by DC, and it was directed by Kathy Yan. And I'm pretty certain that this is the first time that on this podcast, I believe that there is a solo female director and a solo female writer. Um, I've had female directors on this podcast, I've had female writers on this podcast, but I don't believe I've had a movie that has both a solo female director and a solo female writer. So it, it feels like a bit of a big deal, <laughs> this movie, uh, just on female representation, just generally. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. Um, and like Harley herself says, if you want to tell a story, you have to start at the beginning. So I'm going to start with the conception of Harley Quinn. Well, sort of. Not the conception of Harley Quinn that you'd see at the start of the movie, but the conception of Harley Quinn as a character. Because... Unlike most comic book characters, Harley never actually started out in the comic books. She was introduced in Batman the Animated Series on 11th September 1992. Uh, that was in the episode Joker's Favour. And this was initially kind of planned as a one episode role as a sidekick slash love interest for Joker. Her only task was to jump out of a cake and take some police officers hostage, only because it was something that the writers didn't feel that Joker could do himself. Her look uh, was inspired by Arlene Sorkin, who appeared on the soap Days of Our Lives in a jester costume. Sorkin actually also voiced the character of Harley in this episode and creator Paul Dini was friends with Arlene Sorkin. Uh, the character was so popular, she became a regular fixture and they started to establish her backstory. Uh, the scene from Days of Our Lives will actually be shown in Birds of Prey, in the scene where Rene Montoya receives a text from Dinah Lance. So when it comes to the origin story and the story of Harley Quinn, 
there was a graphic novel. It was released in 1994 and it was titled The Batman Adventures, colon, Mad Love. And that chronicled the origin story of Dr. Harleen Quinzel, PhD, a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum who interviews Joker. She kind of goes quite back and forth with him with these interviews. She learns of his childhood abuse and she also learns of his extreme hatred of Batman. And ever so slowly, she becomes quite enamoured with her patient uh, to the point where she wants to prove her love to him by breaking him out of Arkham and also attempting to capture Batman for him. This kind of doesn't work uh, very well because the Joker is not too happy that she's tried to do this. Uh, so when Batman eventually does capture the Joker and sends him back to Arkham, Harleen Quinzel becomes Harley Quinn with her signature red and black cat suit, which she would wear until 2011. Uh, despite Joker's constant mistreatment of her, she believes him to genuinely love her and will do anything for him to see that love reciprocated. Now, this is the point where I kind of talk a little bit about the issues that I have with Joker and Harley because I have a lot of issues with Joker and Harley from what I've read and from what I know about this relationship because their relationship seems to be very overly romanticised and I mean that in pretty much every iteration that she's obsessed with him and he mistreats her but he kind of loves her deep down even though he abuses her and abuse is abuse Physical abuse is still physical abuse and mental abuse is still mental abuse. Um, and and they go to go through these patterns um, with their story in particular of the physical abuse, the mental abuse and the emotional abuse. Um, and I'm going to put it out there right now and I'm going to say their relationship is nothing that anyone should aspire to, genuinely. And I kind of feel like I digress a little bit. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of how I feel. Um, I mean, if you're kind of into that relationship then it's not for me to tell you that you shouldn't be interested in it but real life relationships should not be like that and um, and that's just like a stone cold fact um now despite uh the situation between joker and harley uh the the character of harley quinn got expanded in the dc comics canon appearing in batman adventures and then an original graphic novel called batman harley quinn where the character was more violent and less quirky than the animated series version of Harley, which I will talk about a little bit later. Um, so Harley got her own ongoing series for 38 issues from 2001 to 2003, which saw her go solo, starting her own gang, and also fleeing Gotham from Metropolis before dying, being resurrected, and turning herself into Arkham Asylum. Harley joins forces with Poison Ivy and Catwoman in Gotham City Sirens, the first issue of which was released in June 2009. And interestingly, Gotham City Sirens was one of the movies which was kind of fast-tracked into production post-Suicide Squad. Uh, it would have seen Margot Robbie reprise her role of Harley Quinn. It would also see David Ayer return to direct and Geneva Dwarette Robinson pen the screenplay. Um, and Gotham City Sirens was actually put on hold in favour of Birds of Prey. Uh, I've had a look to see what's happening with Gotham City Sirens and it's reportedly still on hold. Um, so it hasn't been cancelled. It was Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti's 2013 Harley Quinn series, which distanced the character from the Joker, her abusive ex, and become a semi-reformed anti-hero who not only occasionally broke the fourth wall, but also made two decades of queer subtext canonical by having Harley form a romantic relationship with Pamela Isley, aka Poison Ivy, a character who's not been seen in live-action film format since Uma Thurman's supremely fun, I love her take, on the character in Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. 
uh, which for all its flaws, and it's got a lot of problems, Batman and Robin, I, I still think it's ridiculously underrated. Uh, Uma Thurman, I think, is the only actor in that movie who knows exactly what she's in. She kind of hams it up completely, and I love her in it. Poison Ivy actually would also be referenced in Birds of Prey as part of the uh, animated intro when Harley talks about previous uh, relationships. So let's talk about Suicide Squad, because... As part of my prep for this episode, I decided that I would re-watch Suicide Squad, which I hadn't seen since 2016, and, and arguably Birds of Prey wouldn't exist without Suicide Squad. So, um, so a couple of things that I think is important to know about Suicide Squad. So it was written in six weeks, uh, which, I mean, I think that kind of says a lot, by David Ayer, who also took on directorial duties. Uh, the movie was obviously set one year after Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, um, and spoilers for... Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice if you need them uh, but Superman dies in that movie and it's basically due to his death that Amanda Waller convinces Washington to allow her to set up a team of disposable criminals to help out should anyone need a suicide squad uh, <laughs> I mean it's it's got a decent cast Will Smith leads and I think he does a really commendable job of kind of keeping the movie on track as as kind of best he can really um and he starred in a movie called Focus uh, with Margot Robbie uh, previous to this. And obviously she was Harley Quinn in this movie, clearly. Um, and I always felt like Will Smith and Margot Robbie were kind of really the standouts uh, in that movie. But there's also quite a lot of other good stuff. And Suicide Squad is a bit of a jumbled mess of a movie. But I do really like Jay Hernandez as Diablo. I really like his kind of redemption arc, so to speak, although I wish we'd learned a little bit more about him. I kind of really like Jai Courtney as well as, as Captain Boomerang, who obviously makes a little photographic cameo in um, Birds of Prey. Um, but mostly, despite a reported $22 million cost for reshoots to make the movie more comedic, it's always kind of felt a bit tonally weird to me. Uh, the humour in Suicide Squad often feels quite misplaced and... I will never complain too much about music in a movie, but I kind of felt like they put too much music in that movie. Like literally every scene, there is some musical interlude and it, I just felt felt really jarring to me. Um, but the most interesting thing about Suicide Squad was the way it framed and shot Harley because she is pretty much completely shot with the male gaze in mind. Uh, and she is pretty much the token female character. And I know that, katana is in that movie um and you'll also notice that katana wasn't framed or used in the same way as harley um and i mean to be honest i think the main reason for that is that karen fukuhara is hardly used in the movie at all like i think she has three lines in the whole movie katana definitely deserved better and so did karen fukuhara but suicide squad as an entity was kind of my introduction to harley quinn i obviously knew of the character but I didn't really know her. So really, Margot Robbie is pretty much my first instance of really knowing who Harley Quinn was. Um, and despite the very obvious difference in the way that she's dressed and shot between Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, 
I've always kind of felt a bit of a connection to Harley. And and I do think that liking Margot Robbie as much as I do, because I really do like Margot Robbie, uh, and that probably does help to a degree, her dedication to the character would obviously shape Birds of Prey. And it would also cause other projects like Gotham City Sirens to fall by the wayside, as well as the planned Suicide Squad 2. There was also a Harley Quinn and Joker movie that's kind of fell by the wayside too. Uh, And the decision to not include Barbara Gordon in this movie, uh, aka Batgirl, was primarily due to a Batgirl movie being in development at the same time. Uh, This is despite the fact that canonically Cassandra Cain has also been Batgirl. Uh, And I don't know if they were planning to maybe introduce that in a Birds of Prey sequel. I think the main thing I like about Harley is that she's intelligent It's one of those things where I feel like a lot of female characters kind of have to prove their intelligence. And it's a little bit like, why? Why do they have to prove their intelligence? Because Harley has proven her intelligence by actually having a PhD. And what started as a professional relationship between a psychiatrist and patient kind of went through this uh, turning friendly and then turning into something more. Harleen becomes Harley at the behest of Joker as if proving her love to him was more important than anything else. I think that's really important because Harley is an intelligent woman and I kind of feel like the character is important to prove that anyone, and that's whether they're a man, a woman or gender fluid, can be manipulated by an abuser. Uh, And I feel like Harley as a character is victimised frequently, just generally, for being uh, a supposed intelligent woman who's tricked by a psychopath. And I think that's really debilitating to anyone who's kind of suffered abuse to kind of say that you're not intelligent enough to know that that person was an abuser. Because I think you could be the most intelligent person in the world and you could still be tricked by someone. So um, I feel like a lot of the arguments that are aimed towards Harley, that clearly she's not intelligent enough by being in a relationship with Joker and by becoming his uh, paramour um, and by doing all these things for him, I think it just proves how anyone can be manipulated. And Suicide Squad as a film, and I've not seen the extended version, I've only seen the, the theatrical version, but it shows the Joker that he's missing her and wanting her back, but only so he can continue to abuse her. And it's this kind of perpetual cycle of abuse that's so frequently patterned by both abuser and abusee. Because the abuser abuses and the abusee keeps going back. Um, and there's obviously this pre-existing power dynamic of patient and doctor. Harleen is targeted and groomed by the Joker purely for that patient-doctor relationship. Um, and it kind of goes back, and I feel like I'm going off a bit on this, but it goes back to why do people find this romantic? Because it's just not. It's abuse. Uh, abusers don't just become cured by the love of a good man or woman as much as we might want to cure them, it's this perpetual cycle that every single time a victim of abuse will believe every time will be different. And it's exactly the same with Harley. She believes every time will be different, but it won't because this man is a serial abuser. And I think this is why I value Birds of Prey over Suicide Squad in its depiction of Harley and this extremely toxic relationship that although Harley isn't strong enough to break it off initially, and and that's okay, by the way, uh, she is strong enough to move on from it. She takes those feelings of insecurity and feeling helpless and unloved and uses them in her own way to forge her own path and become empowered. Birds of Prey's Harley isn't a victim of her circumstances. She owns her circumstances, despite now having a price on her head 
by these past dealings and by being the girlfriend of the clown prince of crime. Relationships don't define you unless you let them define you. And I think for this reason, I'd be deeply upset if they move forward with a Harley Joker movie in the future because it would feel wrong to take this character and her empowerment and then stick her back into such a toxic relationship when Harley has proven that she's better than it and she's better than Joker. Uh, I'm really not a fan of that character at all. Uh, I still haven't seen the Joker movie and genuinely, I have no real want to. And it was during filming of Suicide Squad that Margot Robbie pitched a standalone Harley Quinn project, specifically an R-rated girl gang movie, which included Harley. And that was basically because she thought the character would love to interact with others uh, and that there weren't many kind of girl gang team-up action movies. And it would be a great opportunity to take this beloved character, because she really is, and build on her universe. It was the support of DC Films president Walter Hamada who championed this new and different take on a Harley-focused film. Hamada had replaced John Berg and Jeff Johns as DC had struggled with critical reception to Suicide Squad and Justice League because while both were financial successes, neither had critics raving like they had done for Marvel equivalents like Guardians of the Galaxy and The Avengers and they wanted to regain the critical achievement of Wonder Woman. It was also important for Robbie to prioritise women behind the scenes and while the impetus was always on the best director for the job, it was ultimately Kathy Yan who got the directorial job in April 2018, making her the first female Asian director to direct a superhero movie. Margot Robbie would also smash the patriarchy, something that Yan had actually pitched with, uh, by not only pitching the project herself, but also producing under her Lucky Chap Entertainment Production Company, which she started in 2017. The first movie that Lucky Chap produced was the three-time Academy Award nominated and one Academy Award winning, I, Tonya, uh, which also starred Robbie, and it's genuinely one of her greatest roles that she's ever done. Uh, Lucky Chap, actually, is also producing Emerald Fennel's Promising Young Woman, which has been getting a lot of buzz this year. Uh, writer Christina Hodson, she also wrote the terrific Bumblebee, which was directed by Travis Knight, the same guy who did Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, did an episode on that. And literally, if I can get away with talking about Kubo and the Two Strings in an episode, you know that I will. Uh, so Christina Hodson came on board to write Birds of Prey after meeting with Margot Robbie in the summer of 2015. And obviously she was still shooting Suicide Squad at the time and she and Hodson shared this deep desire to have a full-on female-led action movie without the typical cattiness or backstabbing that many female action movies resort to. They wanted a sisterhood, they wanted an R rating and they also wanted a non-linear timeline because this is Harley's story and Harley is going to tell her story her way. And this is the thing because Birds of Prey... It's called Birds of Prey, or Birds of Prey in the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, but it isn't a true Birds of Prey movie. Uh, this is actually a Harley Quinn movie. And it's probably why the title of the movie was changed mid-run to Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Just to kind of capitalise on this existing IP of Harley Quinn. Uh, because calling it Birds of Prey is not calling it Harley Quinn. Because... Presumably, a lot of people just didn't know it was a Harley Quinn movie. Uh, and if they knew it was, they might have been swayed by a Harley Quinn movie. The actual Birds of Prey are supporting characters to Harley. I mean, you'd be very just to argue, well, why didn't they just call it Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey? Uh, or even just Harley Quinn. Uh, and I think that's purely down to the fact that Harley, as a character, feeds off these other characters. 
The fact that Roman Sionis hates her and wants her dead is an issue, but it's also the fact that he's the worst kind of misogynist who just hates powerful, successful, uncontrollable, dangerous or nuisance women. He obviously has an air of liking Black Canary, only when she appears subservient to him. It's as soon as she becomes someone who betrays him, he kind of turns on her too. And in many respects, it's almost like Harley going from a psychopath ex to a psychopath crime lord. It's like she just attracts these complete psychopaths. But it's important to the movie to have this team of women in front of the camera. In the last episode on Atomic Blonde, I talked about supposed single shot takes and how they were achieved in that movie. And Birds of Prey kind of takes this one step further with an actual one shot take staged at Roman Sonis's club. Uh, this is after Harley breaks up with Joker and goes on a massive bender, as you do when you break up with someone. But it's quite an impressive scene because it required multiple camera handoffs. It was the brainchild of director of photography Matthew Libertique, who wanted to convey the manic whirlwind tone of Harley's fragile state of mind, as well as her hyperactivity and the fact that she was quite drunk. Um, so the scene itself was shot on day four of production and they only actually had a three hour window to get this scene done. So basically how they did it was they had a route through the club for the camera mapped out beforehand. There was about 70 extras there at the time and they were there to kind of dance and pass in frame constantly so as to feel like a genuine kind of manic club setting. The camera starts behind the bar and it moves past Harley into the club and then it passes her sitting on a couch and then it kind of passes over a banquette to Harley once again and then on towards the dance floor as Harley is seen throwing up and then onto the dance floor facing the bar that it came from with Harley dancing. Uh, and that is all one take. It's incredibly well done and it's Margot Robbie basically going in and out of shot, doing different things each time. And then the final shot with Harley dancing actually contained 200 extras and that included director Kathy Yan, multiple producers, assistants, stunt professionals, and a creative executive, just to kind of get this kind of massive group dance scene. And it is genuinely one of my favourite shots in the movie. There's a lot of shots that I really love in this movie. And there's a lot of beautiful stunt work as well that I want to talk about a bit later, because you guys know that I love beautifully choreographed stunts. And this film is full of beautifully choreographed stunts. Uh, and there's a really good reason for that as well. But I want to talk about Bruce. Uh, and I don't mean the hunky Wayne guy. I want to talk about Harley's hyena. Uh, because I remember first watching this film and thinking, how did they get a real hyena? <laughs> That's genuinely what I thought. But they didn't, obviously. They did look into casting a real hyena the crew met with some animal trainers and they had a real hyena. However, it would have been far too dangerous to have him on set as although the animal was trained, he was still a wild animal and anything he touched, he considered his and anything he touched and considered his, he most definitely did not like to share it. And it was important that they wanted Bruce the hyena to have a real tangible relationship with Harley. Uh, so what they did was they eventually settled on this massive German shepherd and the German Shepherd could be on set with Margot Robbie, they could interact with each other, and then they could CG elements of a hyena over the top. Uh, this was done by Weta Digital, uh, and in the comics, Harley has two hyenas, but cost issues meant they could only afford one for the movie, and that's how we got Bruce the hyena. Harley herself is a very unreliable narrator, and so this movie can occasionally feel quite choppy going back and forth because it's her version of events. I kind of like it though because it's Harley's story told in her own way with her own words. 
it's colourful because she's colourful. She plays by her own rules. It's this focus on Harley that's, as I said, to the detriment of the actual titular Birds of Prey. Huntress is probably given the most in terms of backstory as this young woman literally only able to dish out vengeance. But personality-wise, she kind of has very few social skills. And obviously, the wonderful Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I've featured on this podcast before, a couple of times, actually. Uh, I really love her in this movie. Black Canary is giving a little backstory with mention of her mother and uh, the power that her mother also had. And I have to say, Journey Smollett-Bell in those gold trousers kicking ass is is genuinely one of my favourite scenes because she's fantastic. Uh, Rene Montoya and Cassandra Kane are kind of a bit more underserved for the movie. But ultimately, I love that it's this female-centric story about women, written by a woman, directed by a woman, with touches clearly devised by women, uh, such as small things like a hairband during a fight. And I have quite long hair. Obviously, you guys don't know how long my hair is, but it's quite long. Uh, It's right down to the bottom of my back. It's really, really long because, to be fair, during lockdown, I haven't had a chance to get it cut. So it's just grown and grown. I know how annoying it is to get hair in your face. And that's even when doing like really mundane things like laundry. You just don't want your hair in your face. Uh, So, of course, you want to tie your hair back for fights. Perfectly coiffed hair during fight scenes is reserved for Amazons only. And uh, that's no dick at Wonder Woman because DC's strengths team seem to sit with their female characters and I am all for that. As I said, I love the stunts in this movie. They remain as cartoonish as Harley is and that's kind of going back to this unreliable narration um, because this is essentially a live action cartoon and it does its best to keep the violence as cartoony as possible. Uh, I especially love the slow motion shots because speed or in real time, hides a multitude of sins, but you can't hide anything in a slow motion shot. The stunt work is pretty impeccable, actually. Um, And that's the sprinkler soap jail, which is a scene that I also love. Uh, The evidence room, which I also love. Um, And the amusement mile. Uh, It's all just this like crazy, ridiculous fun. uh, And it really is choreographed to perfection. And this is kind of, especially when we're talking about the amusement mile, uh, this was a rotating carousel with roller skating. And you also had multiple actors in one shot and everyone had to be doing the right thing at the right time. And I am not going to apologise for thinking this movie is a super fun time because I really do. And that is despite its misgivings. Um, I do not think this is a perfect movie. Uh, As I've said, I don't I don't even think a perfect movie exists, apart from The Mummy, which is perfect. And one of the things that I think really bothered me about the reaction to this movie, uh, because this movie has a lot of critics, uh, and I, I understand why to, to a degree, but the criticisms of female attractiveness, they kind of plagued this movie. And this was kind of from when the trailer was released to when the movie was released. And it was basically, some people were stating that Harley was less attractive in this movie because she was wearing more clothes than she did in Suicide Squad. And here's the thing. If you think any of this cast, with the exception of Ella J. Basco, who is a child, if you think anyone in this cast is not attractive, then maybe you, and I'm going to coin a very British phrase here, you need to go to Specsavers because you've got Margot Robbie, you've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey Smollett-Bell, Rosie Perez. These are incredibly attractive women, uh, the clothing that they're wearing does not make them any less attractive. 
If you need your women to wear a tight t-shirt and a pair of hot pants to find them attractive, that kind of says far more about you than it does about the costuming choices of this movie because the costuming and the clothing in this movie is functional. It's not only functional, it's bright and it's fun. And to be perfectly honest, these women are attractive regardless of pieces of cloth on their bodies. It's just a fact. Um, I don't understand anyone who would say they do not find Margot Robbie as attractive in this movie as they do in Suicide Squad. I mean, maybe that's because of the male gaze. I don't know. But it's just a really ridiculous statement because it's the same actor. But I want to talk a little bit about Roman Sionis because I've not really mentioned him and he is just full-on misogynistic narcissist, isn't he? Uh, He's a delight uh, with these extreme daddy issues uh, because essentially he's cut off from the family fortune. He also has this very complicated and it's somewhat queer-coded relationship with Victor Zaz. Um, It's not directly mentioned, but it's alluded to. And it's mainly because he believes and trusts Victor over everyone. Their relationship is almost like a codependency uh, in that Victor enables Roman's sadism uh, as well as kind of trading on his anxieties. And, And this is kind of a movie that's really all about destructive relationships. And Roman and Victor is kind of hardly the epitome of healthy. And by that, I mean relationship in the sense of relationship or relationship in the sense of friendship. Nothing is healthy about Roman and Victor. But I will say, though, that the queer coding of villains is definitely not a new phenomenon. It's something that has happened over time. And I think when asked directly uh, whether these characters are explicitly gay... There was no kind of general consensus that they were. It was kind of, well, they are who they are kind of thing. Um, So that is a little bit problematic, I think, especially when we're talking about queer coding. It's worth noting that other characters are actually confirmed to be queer. Renee Montoya has an ex-girlfriend, District Attorney Ellen Yee. Uh, And obviously we know Harley has been in a relationship with a woman. Uh, We assume that to be Poison Ivy. As I said previously, she looks like Poison Ivy. And... I'll be honest, I still find Ewan McGregor incredibly attractive, despite the fact that he is a megalomaniac psychopath in this movie. I also love the little nod to Moulin Rouge, uh, with Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. That little scene was actually supposed to be a fully choreographed song and dance number, but it actually got cut along with another one, and that's much to my chagrin, because there's a lot of things that I love about movies in general, but song and dance numbers are always up there for me. And uh, and just a bit of a shout out, really, finally, to Harley's egg sandwich. It was actually made of duck eggs because Margot Robbie is allergic to chicken egg whites. But uh, but being a fan of a very good egg sandwich that I am, uh, I kind of get her love and dedication because there's kind of nothing better. The only thing that is better than an egg sandwich is an egg sandwich that doesn't drip yolk down your front. Because that happens to me a lot and it it's very annoying, but, but I still love them. Right, I've mentioned the stunts a couple of times uh, in this episode, but I wanted to kind of link it in with the obligatory Keanu reference a little bit. So this is something that I like to do, where every episode I like to link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. And, uh, I mean, this is actually relatively easy, because Chad Stahelski, he is the director of the John Wick movies, uh, and he's a stunt choreographer. So he is actually uncredited on Birds of Prey, and he oversaw second unit photography, Uh, And his company, 8711, trained the cast to complete the majority of their own stunt work. Uh, As I said, I completely love the stunts in this movie. It's very clear when 
actors are doing their own stunts because you tend to see their faces a little bit more. And uh, Margot Robbie specifically, uh, she is just really, really great. She is a phenomenal gymnast and uh, clearly she knows what she's doing. Um, and yeah, a lot of the stunts she actually did herself. And that is down to Chad Stahelski. And obviously stunt work is something that Keanu also tends to do for his movies. But I kind of like the Chad Stahelski link, uh, especially the link to John Wick. Because uh, I mentioned John Wick quite a lot in the previous episode on Atomic Blonde. So I thought, what the hell? I mentioned John Wick again. Why not? The music. Uh, so the score for this movie is by Daniel Pemberton. He also scored the most excellent Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which uh, is a previous episode of this podcast. Uh, the soundtrack album had five singles released and they were by artists like Megan The Stallion and Normani, Charlotte Lawrence, Doja Cat and Halsey. Unlike the movie, it's very female-centric. The cover track of James Brown's It's a Man's 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 World is actually performed by Journey Smollett-Bell. Uh, she's obviously got a terrific voice uh, which helps when you're singing a track birds of prey opened on 7th of february 2020 in the u.s and that was obviously just before the global covid19 pandemic kind of really hit everyone uh it opened at number one uh, and it currently ranks as the ninth top grossing movie of 2020 worldwide although given that it's 2020 that kind of doesn't say that much uh the highest grossing movie worldwide of 2020 is called the 800 that only made 468.8 million dollars uh it feels kind of weird saying only 468.8 million dollars it was a chinese movie uh that's why you've probably never heard of it so birds of prey was made for 84.5 million dollars and it ended up making $201.9 million worldwide. It's kind of seen as a bit of a financial failure, uh, as it reportedly needed to gross $250 to $300 million to break even. Um, so it it's a bit of a disappointment, but it's not an out-and-out flop. Certainly the title was misleading, uh, and they should have really focused on titling it after Harley. Um, but the problem, obviously, with coronavirus making waves was it was likely that it would probably struggle and... An R rating after a PG-13 Suicide Squad probably didn't help either. Um, but I would say it's a very lukewarm R rating. It's certainly not as graphic as it could be. I mean, comparable to something like Deadpool, which is obviously another quite famous R-rated superhero movie, and Logan to a degree as well. I've covered Logan before. Uh, it's not as violent or graphic as either Logan or Deadpool. So they could have done more to get that R rating. But similarly, they could have not made it R. Um, and it wouldn't have been a detriment to the movie at all, really, as far as I'm concerned. And kind of despite uh, a bit of a financial disappointment, the movie's critical reception was mostly positive. Most critics hailed Robbie's performance and Hodson's screenplay and Jan's direction. It currently sits at 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is behind Wonder Woman and Shazam!, just ahead of Aquaman, uh, I would place this ahead of Shazam personally. Suicide Squad, unfortunately, sits at the bottom with 27%, which I kind of feel is a bit unfair, but I'm not a film critic. So uh, so what do I know? Harley Quinn is set to return and appear in James Gunn's soft reboot, The Suicide Squad, which reportedly will not be a follow-up to this movie, so nothing will be referenced in The Suicide Squad. Kathy Yan has expressed an interest in a sequel exploring Harley's relationship with Poison Ivy, uh, but nothing has been confirmed. It's also worth mentioning, but I'll be honest, I haven't seen it, that uh, there is an excellent, so I'm told, animated series uh, about Harley Quinn, 
which premiered in 2019 and has just been renewed for a third season. I feel like maybe I should have at least watched an episode, but I had a look and I can't actually find it here in the UK. So if anyone knows where I can get it, let me know. I would love to watch it, actually, because it has my favourite, Alan Tudyk, in it. And I haven't mentioned Alan for a while, but I love him. So <laughs> there's, there's my uh, obligatory Alan Tudyk reference for the episode. So I want to move on to social media thoughts. It's a big bag of comments, but a mixed bag of comments. Let's start on Twitter. So we have at Wulong Talks, who said, Mostly enjoyed it, although felt a bit misled by the title. Margot Robbie is sensational and loved Rosie Perez and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oddly, I felt Black Mask was a weak villain and the third act didn't really work for me. All in all, though, a fun watch. At Dazza Loves Movie said, This film felt like someone was throwing glitter into my eyes, force-feeding me strawberry ice cream while blasting glam rock metal into my ears. And this is a good thing because I loved it. At Aurel underscore MFC said, The disjointed telling from the cracked mind of Harley is perfect. And I love that it starts with an animated bit in a nod to her cartoon origin. Huntress was a definite highlight for me in an already great movie and stole the show whenever she was on screen. At Geek Salad Radio said, Birds of Prey, which should have just been called The Redemption of Harley Quinn, since the Birds of Prey barely feature into the crux of the story, is a remarkable improvement on the odious, but still not as bad as Batman v Superman, oddly enough, Suicide Squad. Margot Robbie really owns this role and movie, and Ewan McGregor really shines as Roman Sionis. The supporting cast is good, but the promise of a Birds of Prey movie that only came about 20 minutes before the end credits was a bit of false advertising. Still love the movie, though. At Russell of Movies said, It's a mess of a movie, but the individual parts sing. I particularly enjoyed the mini-career boost McGregor got with his stellar turn here, coupled with an ace performance in Doctor Sleep. At Cinema underscore Recall said, Margot Robbie owns this role so very much that I'm disappointed they tried to put in the subplot with Birds of Prey. It felt like I was watching two very different movies. This movie is rated R and I don't understand why. It feels like a PG-13. Watch the animated series instead. At the cinema guys said, What Suicide Squad could have been? Really enjoyed this stylized fun film which was obviously marketed wrong. Now where's my sandwich? At 30 podcast said, Really wanted to like this movie but didn't. At all. I recognise that I'm in the minority as I see a lot more positive reviews for this one. But it also hurts that this was the last movie I saw in a theatre before things shut down. Glad others enjoy it, though. At Scott H. Gilliland said, It could have been something unique, but got too bogged down on itself in the pre-production. Hopefully there's a next time for these characters to get it right. At Filmbusters Paul said, Margot Robbie nails this role. The evolution of the character so far in the DCEU is fantastic. And after the huge success of the highly animated show and this, I am incredibly excited for what the future holds for her. At StuntGoat75 said, Thought it was really fun and vibrant. Margot Robbie really took it up another level. Vast improvement on Suicide Squad. At BLC Agnew said, After being a bright spot in the absolute mess that was Suicide Squad, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn gets to truly shine in a bone-crunching and gut-busting action comedy that stands as a high watermark in the recent DC feature films. Get that sandwich, girl. You earned it. At Cooking With Grief said, I made the sandwich, had to use a bagel instead of a ciabatta though, and it was amazing. Yum. At Syndemic Nerds said, Disappointing. Cast had potential, but I feel they were let down by script and the execution of it. 
at Gundam underscore Guyver said, Despite hearing that it is a fun movie, I can't bring myself to watch it. Birds of Prey is one of my all-time favourite comic properties, especially Huntress, and knowing they have to take a secondary role in their own movie really irritates me. Just call it Harley Quinn. At Logan underscore Wilson 93 said, Movie isn't great, Huntress is great, I wish they did better with Black Mask. At The Digressor said, I watched it and Suicide Squad back to back a couple months ago. It's great that they made it to where you can watch Birds of Prey without having seen the other first. In my opinion, it's a far superior film and I hope they further her story. At Waffles the Magic said, Fun, colourful, the last film I saw in theatres. Margot Robbie really makes the character her own. The choreography is next level amazing. The script is brilliant. Ewan McGregor as Black Mask is creepy and entertaining all at the same time. Nothing but praise for this masterpiece. At Never Gets Old Pod said, Hated it. It was crass, vulgar and the characters weren't accurate. The fighting was even atrocious. Broke my heart. At Jonathan Blade said, The movie wasn't all in on Harley being unhinged and or dangerous. It was fine. They kind of stole Harley's agency, even though it was about her finding her agency. At Filco Pod said, Messy in its story and execution. A PG-13 movie trying way too hard to be rated R. Margot Robbie owns the role and is truly a perfect fit. The same can be said for Journey Smollett as Black Canary. It's fun if you can stand its sloppiness. Hope it gets a sequel though. At Spyhards said, Birds of Prey squandered what could have been a very interesting concept with a musical style comic book film. The film is propped up by Margot and Ewan and yet both characters end up feeling shortchanged. Summary, another disappointing bloated mess of a DC flick. At Inspector Flora said, Birds of Prey was refreshingly funny with top-notch action choreography. At Derek Jones 198 said, This movie is pure fun start to finish and refreshing development from DC who is finally letting characters be characters. The fact that Harley went from a sidekick in Batman the Animated Series to starring in her own film is outstanding. At It's a Musical Pod said, This film was one of our last cinema experiences before lockdown. We loved it. Harley is a very endearing character here and it has so much charm. I'd compare it to Deadpool for a lot of reasons, but I think that is a real injustice. At Sean Geek Podcast said, This was my wife's and my favourite movie of 2020 hands down and possibly the best supers movie since First Avenger. This movie is pure genius and stands a few steps higher than even Wonder Woman. Tight, well scripted, incredibly shot and unique with original characters. This movie stands up there with the greats. This is a film we still talk about, still reference and still go back to. A true classic. At Opinion S World said, I love Birds of Prey, one of my favourite 2020 films. Margot Robbie is outstanding. The entire cast is great. I love the camaraderie, striking cinematography and fight sequences and representation of women of colour and queer women. Kathy Yan's film is fun, bold, humorous and feminist. Birds of Prey also really resonated with me as a domestic violence survivor. I appreciated seeing the women, especially Harley Quinn as an abuse survivor, joined together against abusive men. Moving over to Instagram, at FWM underscore pod said, My favourite bit of trivia from this comes from Margot Robbie's episode of Hot Ones. She described being trained by a diver to hold her breath underwater for four minutes and most of it involves just knowing what happens after prolonged amounts of time so you know what to expect. At Claire Ellen Hope said, Pure comic fun. It definitely has flaws, especially with the Birds of Prey development, but oh, what fun I had. Perhaps visually my favourite live action comic book movie. At Sophie Boog said, I haven't seen this film, but I bloody love Margot Robbie. She is incredible in Mary, Queen of Scots. And Sophie should definitely watch this. I think you would love it. At Shocked Applaud said, Never thought there would be a good Ewan McGregor character death until this movie. The payoff was worth it. And finally, over on Facebook, we have Matthew, who said, 
I spent several years in college reading the Simone era Birds of Prey comics and was hoping for an adaptation similar to that. The fact we got something very different... Barbara Gordon continues to be absent from the DCU and how they wrote Cassandra as a huge departure from her origins in the comics left me feeling very disappointed since I feel these characters are some of my absolute favourite comic book characters. If this had been a film that had no connection to an existing IP and didn't create an expectation of capturing the spirit of the comics then maybe I would have liked it more. Alas, I'll never really know. That all being said, do I think this movie is bad? Absolutely not. I think it's great that DCEU fans got a movie that many of them love. I just wish I had gotten that too. Thank you to everyone for your comments. I did have a lot of comments, not as many as Black Panther. I don't think I'll ever get as many as Black Panther, but there was a surprising amount of comments for Birds of Prey. Um, and I think that's mainly because, like I say, this is a very recent movie. I've seen this movie three times this year and every single time I kind of love it a little bit more. So, um... I kind of feel like Birds of Prey might not be fully about the Birds of Prey, but I really do appreciate this movie because it has these very flawed and reliable, but also empowered women at the helm. Uh, women with a shared goal that don't spend all of their time at each other's throats or talking about men, but learning to work together to achieve a common aim. And that is essentially taking down a misogynist. Roman Sionis isn't lethal just because of his actions. He's lethal because of how he thinks. Harley is an abuse survivor who proves that you don't need to be defined by your past to have a future. She proves that you can be unique, kooky and honestly a bit of a weirdo, but you can also be intelligent and resilient and independent. Intelligence and weirdness aren't mutually exclusive and I feel like I'm kind of proof of that as well. I really hope that the Joker is behind this character because genuinely she is so much better off without him. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Birds of Prey. Uh, if you do like this episode, uh, I would love if you would take a moment to rate and review on something like Apple Podcasts. Thank you if you have recently given me a rate and review. I do read them all and I do give shout outs to people on social media for ratings now. So um, yeah, if you do like anything that I'm doing, give a rate and review. The other thing you can do is you can tell your friends about this podcast. You can share this podcast uh, using your podcast app of choice. If you like this episode on Birds of Prey, you might also like one of the following episodes. I've kind of gone back to episode 12, which is Charlie's Angels, because I really love Charlie's Angels. Uh, and this is the 2000 Charlie's Angels movie. It's not the more recent one. Um, but I really love the fact that it kind of doesn't take itself too seriously. I love Drew Barrymore. I love Cameron Diaz. I love Lucy Liu. And um, it's just a really fun movie. And it's 20 years old this year. So I think if you do like Birds of Prey, I think you would like Charlie's Angels. Uh, you might also like the more recent Charlie's Angels as well, I guess. Um, but I haven't done an episode on that. Uh, episode 32, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And that's because... I kind of feel like Birds of Prey is quite a unique experience in superhero movies. And so is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's nothing like any other Spider-Man movie. This is nothing like any other DC movie. So I kind of feel like, yes, you would probably enjoy Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, you'd enjoy that regardless of what episode you were listening to. Um, I stuck in episode 40, Bridesmaids. And that is mainly because it's another really fun kind of women coming together and supporting each other, women who are flawed, women who are different. Um, episode 43, A League of Their Own, because it's brilliant 
Uh, and it does not get enough love, that movie. I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's based on a true story of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League that was formed during the war. And it's obviously a female-led, it's female-directed. Um, it wasn't, unfortunately, female-written. And it is literally the greatest sports movie ever made. And um, episode 51, Down With Love, for more Ewan McGregor. Uh, more Ewan McGregor. Uh, more charming Ewan, as opposed to psychopathic Ewan. More Ewan is always good. Give me feedback, obviously, on my recommendations. Uh, let me know if you think oh, I missed anything or if you think I got it right. So as I was reading through the comments, I actually realised that one of the commenters had actually mentioned the next episode. So I think that particular person, if they're listening to this, which I assume they are, is going to be very happy, as are quite a lot of people. Because... We're kind of going from DC and we're actually going back to Marvel. Like buses, you wait for MCU episodes and then two come along in quick succession. This particular movie was always planned for December. And then Black Panther obviously moved down the schedule from September to November when Chadwick Boseman passed away. So there was originally a bigger gap between them. Um, and now there's not a big gap between them. But it's also an episode that I've teased for a while. So I teased it back in Sky Captain, episode 5. I teased it in The Rocketeer, episode 61. Uh, and finally, 10 episodes after The Rocketeer, it's finally here. Uh, so for episode 71, it's the star-spangled man with a plan. Captain America, the first Avenger, is one of my favourites in the MCU, genuinely. I also teased Peggy Carter in the episode on Black Panther. And I can't wait to talk about Peggy because she is my favourite. Uh, so I hope that you will join me next week for Captain America, the first Avenger. And it's going to be so much fun to talk about that movie. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. If you want to consider supporting the show financially, that would be amazing. I am running a little goal that I'm doing called 20 and 2020 uh, which is basically a Patreon goal and I'm trying to get 20 patrons and that is because I want to give patrons even more perks and to kind of do that I was like well I need the patrons to actually give them the perks so if you want to sign up it's patreon.com slash verbal diorama uh, I need to say a massive thank you because I have a brand new patron her name is Emily she is part of the fantastic I drink your podcast podcast <laughs> so the podcast is called I Drink Your Podcast and she has just signed up as a Ted Theodore Logan patron because all of my tears are Keanu themed, of course. Uh, Emily, you are a complete gem. Thank you so much. Um, I am obviously looking for a further six patrons to get to my goal of 20. Uh, so if you do want to support the show, feel free to sign up. Uh, but really, a massive thank you to the patrons of this podcast. Simon E, Sade, Hardy L, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Jason, Kristen, Kat, Andy, Mike, Griff, Luke and Emily. You guys basically gave me the hair tie when I desperately needed it. So thank you. Uh, I do have a merch store, uh, which is teespring.com slash stores slash verbal diorama. Uh, you can buy Christmas presents if you want to. Who would want to buy a verbal diorama mug for someone for Christmas? I don't know. Someone might. And if you do, they are there. Please peruse the store. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. Uh, all purchases support the future of this podcast. If you want to email me, you can do so verbaldiorama at gmail.com. You can say hi. You can give me some feedback. Or you can fill out the contact me form on verbaldiorama.com. Uh, 
And obviously, I write for film stories. There is a magazine. There is a website. I've recently had an article published on Grease 2, which has gone down incredibly well because I am a big fan of that movie. And so I wrote a thing on it. And turns out a lot of people love Grease 2. So uh, please check out that article and obviously check out the magazine as well. And finally... <laughs> I love this chick. She's got rage issues. I don't have rage issues! You know... Psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for. Yeah. Are we ready? Bad guys, just outside. Great advice, Harley. Bye. Movie should know.